That's out. Oh, he's, he's, got, dropped oh, he's, it. he's dropped it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball. And the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. I hate grade cricket. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you call me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on today's show. Pakistan beat Afghanistan in a thriller as Gulbardin double pythons his way into cricket shithousery. Australia wins again, beating their friends across a ditch at Lords. Australia may never lose again, but what does this all mean? Hashtag AskTDC begins with Bearstow's comments and ends on the bench press. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm joined by Sam Perry in Melbourne. And Pez, uh, Pakistan's win overnight puts England on the absolute brink. Morning, here goes another show from us here uh, and we should say to the listener our listeners out there that uh, this one's going to die in the ass pretty quickly because we're recording again tonight mm. with a very special guest George Bailey um, we have to put something out tomorrow morning Australia time after the epic match that is England versus India that could have major implications particular, particularly for England is that funny? I haven't decided yet because I feel like the entire theme as someone covering the World Cup is, you know, do you be neutral or do you just let the Australian sporting exceptionalism wave just wash over you? Mm. And if it's the latter, then, yeah, it's funny if they get knocked out. <laughs> but one of the um, flip sides of that is it could really, um, you know, be to the detriment of the entire game in that country. Um, yep. We're friends with jobs there. Not that that's the reason, you know, you keep... Cricket going. Anyway, I digress. We understand that Pakistan Afghanistan is the game of the day, but we're unapologetically on the side of Australian sporting exceptionalism. So let's talk about um, Pakistan somewhere near the end. Australia okay. has won, he goes. Yep. Um, they were 92 for five mm. in the shit. Trent Bolt, who, by the way, looks extremely lean. Yeah. He maybe talk us through Languid. That. Yeah. He's just has a very very low body fat percentage. Trent Bolt, like he looks has like he, got he could less facial like facial body hair. Has he regressed in age? Is he Benjamin Buttoning his way in this World Cup? Mm. You All the big when questions. You get older, don't you? He just looks so like thin. Like he looks like he could really bust out a half marathon. Like if you're doing a half marathon fun run, yeah, he'd be the guy like running on the second lap or something, running past you just at like at a speed that you couldn't sprint at. Anyway, yeah. Trent Bolt mm. took Pfeiffer, and he took one of those um, hat-tricks that don't count, he goes. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, but guess what? That man uh, whose head everyone's been calling for, Usman Khawaja, mm-hmm. came in and played the insurance innings that mm. uh, you know I plumped for in the last show, mate. So Australia's in the shit. That's why Khawaja's there. Yep. And he controlled, he anchored his way through the innings ably supported by Alex Carey, who again was classy with mm. 71 from 72 deliveries. I think the Australian team hit 12 boundaries in the innings. Mm. Um, Carey hit 11 separate to that. Mate. Uh, what, a, what a batter he goes. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, the way, his temperament, his class, the way he can go through the gears, 
the way he can sum up a situation, the way he can dig you out of a hole but also accelerate you, the way he bats in England in a series and a summer, he goes, when Australia needs batters, even into the test cricket. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, well, Kerry as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just looking yeah, I'm looking at the scorecard here, just reflecting on the night that's been. You know, I mean, Kawaja 88, but if 129 balls, I mean, is that quick enough? You know, I, I, I'm not quite <laughs> sure batting at three. Pez, you've nailed on the head there, mate, because we, we spoke last podcast or one of the podcasts we've done recently, and you said, you know, Kawaja's in there when, when Warner and Finch don't put on 120, which is bound to happen eventually. Um, Kawaja comes in and he's basically your third opener and what in the innings he's played um, he's locked in for the next five years of cricket and ODI cricket isn't it interesting mate like I mean how like the narrative can change because um, you know Australia's been in massive trouble in batting in the first innings um, at the, uh, in this World Cup once against New Zealand once against West Indies when they've been five down for less than 100 runs and both times they've won those games and and at the beginning of the tournament my take on that was, well, we got away with one there. We're underdone. But now it's happened against New Zealand, who are admittedly a much better team with a much better bowling attack. It's now like, well, that's what good teams do. They find they get themselves out of bad situations. And that's ironically what England have not done in this World Cup so far, losing to Sri Lanka, which given um, that South Africa beat them two nights ago by eight wickets, nine wickets, um, shows shows you how strong a team Sri Lanka are. But, I mean, the, the whole narrative of this, when we've seen from my perspective now, is that Australia are getting better in this World Cup. Yep. I mean, not only did Australia find themselves five for 100, but also New Zealand found themselves two for 100, chasing a, a relatively low score. Sure, the run rate was 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 there or thereabouts, so maybe a little bit slow. I think they're going just over four. So, but became Williams to the crease. Then Stark comes in and just fucking just gets him out again. I mean, is Mate, this the greatest cricket of team of all time? Uh, I mean, this is the thing. He goes, well, firstly, let me say, just to that question, talking to a friend yesterday, your life freezes in your childhood, you know, whatever sport you see in your childhood is a sport that kind of informs your identity and your relationship to it. I've always thought that, and we were just lucky through yes. the 90s. That and that's why Space Jam 2 isn't going to work. Exactly, and that's why England cricket being monsters isn't going to work either. Now, <clears throat> um, that aside, <laughs> um, so it's really difficult to, com- like, and now <clears throat> he goes, we're sort of 33, aren't we? Yes. Uh, I don't know how old you are, 32, 33. Um, It's difficult because for the first time in sport, we're older than most of the players, so you have a different relationship to it. That's so true, Um, yeah. It's a really long way of saying that if Australia do win this tournament, it will go down. It would have to go down as one of the great performances from an Australian cricket team. Still a long Uh way to go. Uh Still a long way to go. So we've got to overcome India. Um, Where was I going with that? Uh... That, so, so that's where this would be placed uh, in terms of Australian cricket. Um, in terms of the bowling today, he goes, mm. they, they, are, they are growing into the tournament. So England's weather, I'm a bit all over the place here because it is no, I like it. 40 in the morning, but like yeah. England's weather has kind of brought Australia back into this tournament. Like, yeah, ironically, yeah. Like it's, it's created wickets that have asked for different skills from different players. Like So what we've learned is that even though Australia's suffering at, for, from climate change, and really that should be baking the wickets in a manner that you know creates drier wickets, flatter wickets, mm. and Australia should succeed. Um, Australia suck at flat wicket cricket. 
Mm. You know, but when the wickets are offering a little bit or they're a bit slower, Australia are playing great. Mm. And then, so in this bowling um, performance, Stark has taken Williamson's wicket with a uh, a change down off cutter. When was the last time you saw Stark get a wicket like that? I mean, Stark gets wickets from Yorkers and balls that just have incredible wheels mm. at guys' heads where they pop it up in the air or just smashes the stumps everywhere. Now he's getting Kane Williamson with like well thought out slow, change down, not slower ball, change down off cutters that get the edge. Mm. Australia really are growing into the tournament. Mate, at one point in this inning, Steve, uh, Aaron Smith bowled, uh, Aaron Smith, come on, Aaron Finch bowled Glenn Maxwell, then Steve Smith, and then Aaron Finch, uh, and then Nathan Lyon, just four spinners, some part-timers, some leading spinners, all in a row. Steve Smith was bowling off spin at one point. <laughs> Australia are tactically flexible now. Steve Smith came on bowling to Colin de Granholm, de Grandom? I've never said it out loud. Yeah. Um, first ball, de uh, Grandom's first ball was a leggy from Smith, well pitched, uh, well flighted, and de Grandom just put it down Kawaja's throat at long off, leggy. Uh, and then Jimmy Nation comes into bat, fresh from 97, not out. Smith just bowls five um, off-spinners from around the wicket, <laughs> all perfectly pitched. And Nation um, was like, What's, what the fuck's going on? And he just conceded one run from the over and took a wicket. What's going on? Okay, well, a lot going on here, Pez. First of all, yeah. Australia are going to win the third-grade World Cup. That's, mm. what, that's what this wicket was. Didn't think that wicket, like, um, who was it? When... when um, uh, Latham was caught by Steve Smith at mid-wicket. Absolute screamer. you got to see it. I mean, people who Mate, listen to this are going to see the highlights. Absolute screamer. But just that image reminded me so much of a fucking third-grade game. Not the catch itself or the ball being bowled, but it was like fading light, summer's afternoon, dusty wicket, and it's just – and it like bowling stump to stump, ring fields, and then Steve Smith taking a catch on an Astro – pitch next to the next to the square it just had everything about it, it was third grade then i'm looking at like that was that was a slow wicket stark nicking off kane williamson with with off change you know ch- just change of paces rolling his fingers down the mm-hmm. seam you know stoyness bowling stump to stump ring fields i mean it's it's brilliant i mean this is why australia are going to win the world cup now that i've decided mm-hmm. because and i have come full circle and it's because it's because that we've grown up playing grey cricket on shit wickets. I mean, none of these guys have played lower grey cricket. Let's let's be right about that. But but I mean, this is what we've all been dreaming of, like a, a World Cup where you know your best batsman can bowl some leg spin. Then like Steve, do you mind just maybe just twisting the fingers the other way? Maybe some offies, mm. left hander. Yeah, go on then. I'll just do that. I'll just do that and be amazing at it. Fuck. Oh my. I mean, yeah, we're gonna do it. Well, I mean, first yep. of all, Australia's gonna finish top or second. That's mm. so we're going to finish first or second in the World Cup. I think that's that in itself is. A, a, I mean, I, I think I maintain that if Australia make the World Cup final, that's a brilliant World Cup for Australia, and it should always be that, even if they were favourites. <laughs> it's a good World Cup. Um, but this team, who are just getting stronger and stronger, now you've got depth everywhere. Now you've got insurance at three and Kawaja. Yeah. Um, you've got Kerry, who Kerry actually might be. He might be the most informed batter that Australia have. I mean, we haven't seen a lot because it's been used. Him digging us out of the hole against West Indies uh, and now New Zealand, but he also hit fifty odd against India as well when we were in the shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been really impressive, mate. Sorry to interrupt there. We're into preferred semi final chat. Oh, mate. Are we not? I mean, yeah. Can we have New Zealand? Yeah. I mean, and that's and I, I say it with the with the kind of arrogance that 
Langer and Ponting have allowed us to have. Mm-hmm. Ponting's Drake on the balcony. Where <laughs> that? I saw that New Zealand had Craig McMillan on the balcony. It didn't have quite the same effect. <laughs> uh, they needed either Jacinta Arden or... Yes. A, an, an image like a, a Tupac-esque image yeah. um, of, of Jonah Lomu. Yes, correct. You saw where I was <laughs> going with that. Yeah, yep, exactly the same way. That would be the now only that's thing not bad that would seem. Can we get Jacinta Ardern up there and a hologram of Jonah Lomu? I, I, that would frighten me, frankly. Do you remember his thighs in that World Cup in England, Mate, which is also Jonah England, Lomu. actually? It, it, oh, he's, he's in the, I don't know what sport it is, but he's in the all-time um, greatest sports team. Yeah, he, yeah, definitely. That, that, that I've seen. What a player. Someone did send, incidentally, someone sent us a, someone sent us a rugby 15 the other day of cricket players. Ponting <laughs> was like playing 10 and Tendilka was at nine or something. It was, it was weird, but strangely on the money. Yeah, okay. Anyway. I'm not sure I'd have Ponting it. Anyway, um, yeah. Pez, you're right. In terms of preferred finals, you're absolutely right. It's going to get complicated again when I start talking about the fixtures and stuff because, I mean, yeah. tonight tonight's game is absolutely enormous, India yeah. and England. But essentially, England, if they win both their games, will finish – they will finish third, third because they play against New Zealand who will then finish fourth. Yeah. So, But if, if England lose tonight, the best they can do is finish fourth – and India will probably finish first. Therefore, Australia will finish second, two plays three, one plays four. Yep. So therefore, that, that, I mean, that's, that's the way you're looking. It's incredible. I think maybe now's a good time to talk about Pakistan and Afghanistan, uh, yep. which was a weird game for all sorts of reasons. Pakistan roll on, I suppose. Uh, will, will McPherson, who we're speaking to in a moment's time, put it very well. So um, they won with two balls to spare somehow, and that means that actually as we speak, Pakistan are currently fourth, and they have played one, one game more than England. They play against Bangladesh, and it's just a straight scenario of if England lose tonight, Pakistan beat Bangladesh, England are out of the World Cup. Pakistan will finish yep. fourth. Um, that would actually mean an Australian-New Zealand semi-final and an England-India semi-final. Fuck, that'd be pretty good. Or a Pakistan-India semi-final too. Sorry, yes, sorry, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's that's what I meant to say. Yeah, there's still permutations. I mean, if if, um, England win tonight, New Zealand could be brought into this as well. So uh, if India win tonight, New Zealand are guaranteed a semi. If England win tonight, uh, New Zealand is still uh, in a bit of trouble. Yeah, it would come down to net run rate. Um, That's right. And Which we all know about fairly well, so we don't really need to cover it. Yeah, don't even need to cover it, yeah, because everyone's, everyone's right across the numbers. Um, but, yeah, basically New Zealand have a better net run. Mate, so this this Pakistan game, um, look, we don't need to go into the, the nitty-gritty of it, but it basically comes down to the final over. Um, yes. Who bowls it and, uh, and the why? scenario surrounding why he bowls it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Gul- Gulbadeen. Yeah. Is, um Afghanistan's captain. Yes, and uh, he also opens the batting and sometimes bowling, <laughs> and he does double he does double python bicep flexes and he gets a wicket. Let's be right about Gulbadin. Yeah. And in and the what lead, about. in the lead into this final over where um, hitherto, <laughs> uh, Afghanistan have been pretty much ahead 
yep. uh, all game, but then it started conceding a lot of runs. Yeah. And uh, one of those was um, with uh, four overs to go, I believe, four or five overs to go, Kulpadin conceded 18. Yeah, yeah. Rashid Khan bowled next over, went for 10. Um, Kulpadin took himself off. Yep, And Smart. Um, that, Smart. Uh, that over conceded two. Yep. Uh, so you think pretty good over? Yep, good over. Good decision. And, uh, good catch Rashid Khan came back on, conceded 10 again. Mm. And so who was to bowl a final over? Well, of course, the guy who conceded 18, Gulbadan. <laughs> Captain, <laughs> I'll sort of that, lads. Yeah, that was just a blip. The double python uh, captain worked as batting as well, and uh, I think it went sort of two or one, and then two, and then there was a wide that was meant to be a wide, but the guy got a bat, got bat on it. It was just absolute mayhem, and then the next one went for two when there should have been a run out, but Gulbadin fumbled the ball and they got buzzers, <laughs> and uh, then it was a you know. Once smashed the bise- bisected co- uh, extra cover or cover and extra cover four, and that was it. So mm. pretty. Yeah, I mean, the theme. You know, well, this is the great cricketer. So overnight, it's been third grade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it means that Pakistan um, are just weird as ever because they've you know just completely done England. They've had a couple of massive results in this World Cup after being smashed before the tournament started four nil in England. Um, then they've just scraped past Afghanistan, who are yet to win a game. I mean, so, I guess from one point, you know, it is it's disappointing if uh, you know Afghanistan finished the tournament on zero wins. I guess that's 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 not a good look or, or a good thing for anyone. It'd be great if Pakistan, uh, if Afghanistan could could win a game, um, just for them, just to add some colour as well to the World Cup. Probably doesn't look like it's going to happen, but like it, it's funny because if if if. Pakistan were, in, were out of contention for this World Cup. The whole World Cup would have been rooting for Afghanistan, their final over. But because of the permutations of a Pakistan win, therefore leapfrogging England with a game to play, two games to play, it's like, no, nah, we, yeah, we kind of would like Pakistan to win this one. And uh, Afghanistan played their part. And, um, yep, Captain Gulbadan, um has – well, he has no one to answer to. He can just completely David Brent the situation and, uh, and just say, you know, you blokes let me down. Um, I don't know why Rashid Khan – you know, went for 10 twice. Uh, so, um, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's all there, mate. I mean, we're, we're going to be speaking, speaking, speaking about this again uh, as we move on through the week, but uh, might be a time to get Will McPherson on the phone uh, in the UK. He's in a pub in the UK again, uh, so let's get his thoughts on the line. All right, here goes. Uh, we're talking to our great friend, uh, from the London Evening Standard. He's a cricket and rugby correspondent there. He's at the Doghouse in Kennington, where he joined us last time, um, before he'll go to Edgebaston tomorrow for an incredibly important match <laughs> for his country, for England. They're taking on India. Will McPherson, welcome to the great cricketer. Thank you for having me again, guys. I mean, I, I feel like I should, every time I feature on this podcast now, I should wander the sort of 600 metres from my flat to this pub. <laughs> Uh, because it, it, it seems like you just have this great habit of catching me when I'm, when I'm here, which makes it appear like I spend all my time here, when actually I only spend about 40% of my time in the club. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's great to be here. Well, in the interest of transparency, you did say, um, you know, in the professional spirit, can we please call now and not in an hour's time um, because you might be a few more pints deep. Is that because you're sort of gearing up for, um, you know, the fear that tomorrow might bring? Uh, there's some pretty catastrophic permutations uh, if England don't yeah. win. Yeah, it's got... It, I think England fans, England team, England media, e- everyone are 
in a position which we didn't quite imagine uh, England would end up in. Uh, that's not to say it's not brilliantly exciting, and I'm actually buzzing for tomorrow. They're playing India at Edgbaston, which is it's hard to explain how quite how much of it is the perfect venue for it for this game. England love playing Edgbaston. They've lost, I think, in all formats. They've won their last nine games there. It, it absolutely buzzes when England play there, and yet. Birmingham is a city with a huge South Asian population um, and I think 55% of ticket buyers are Indian uh, or have, have, have said when they bought, they had to tick, tick a box when they bought their tickets saying who they were barracking for and I, I think 55% I'm told are uh, ticked for India and 45 for England so it, the atmosphere is going to be off the hook. The, the, the South Asian fans of this tournament have have been the reason all of the grounds have been absolutely buzzing. I mean, I, I was only listening to Pakistan, Afghanistan on the radio and a bit on the TV today, but Headingley made like weird noises because of the Pakistan fans. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and I expect tomorrow to be no different. And, you know, England, England are going into an ODI tomorrow, not as favourites for the first time in a couple of years, like at, particularly at home. You know, they've, they've been so dominant. Um, They've been so excellent. They, they, they've got this. It's, it's reared its head in the last ten days or so. But this reputation of their flat track bullies, um, whether or not they are, they've won. Like they've won so many games, it doesn't really matter. It just they just kept going on and on and on. Um, and then now tomorrow, India are the favourites. Um, so it's a weird, weird position for England to be in. Um, and they've they've really got you know the Pakistan win over Afghanistan was really tense today, and actually had. It was the far more consequences for England than uh, than Afghanistan that defeat, really, because they're obviously out. Well, obviously, it would have been amazing for them to get that win uh, in this tournament, but it it matters more for England. If 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 uh, if Afghanistan had managed to to, uh, to defend that score, then England would have only needed to win one of these two games. As it is, uh, they need they they probably need to win both of them. Um, so yeah, it's 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 it's. it's shaping up to be an absolute beauty edge since my Well, there's been so much written about, um, you know, the cricket in the UK being behind the paywall. And now England's find themselves essentially on the brink of elimination um, before tomorrow night, which will be the biggest game of the World Cup so far. I mean, can you put into words, like, how important it is for, for every single facet of English cricket uh, from the ground up for England to succeed to therefore grow the game because at the moment you know while it's not on free to air television you know no one's actually watching these games so it sort of needs a, an English victory parade of the World Cup in a home World Cup to actually expand the game would that be fair to say? Yeah I think I mean the English cricket and free to air TV is about as complex a debate as you can get into uh, yeah. and it can be incredibly boring and Sky have propped the game up in this country financially for 15 years they've done many brilliant things and yet and yet and yet and yet mm. I uh, I think that there's going to be a sort of lost generation of kids now who, who sort of don't really know that much about it mm. um, and so the ECB next year uh, their, their theory their idea for uh, fixing the game and giving it more exposure across the country is this competition of 100 um, which for, for which they've invented an ingenious new format um, <laughs> And I say ingenious in the, in the, you know, as loosely as I can. Yeah. Um, but they, they've invented this format. But that was all kind of based on the idea that they have this brilliant 
crop of players who are all sort of in their prime. You know, that sort of 27 to 31 sweet spot where they're all excellent. And, oh, look, there's a home World Cup and a home Ashes in the same summer just before we launch this. And mm. you never know if the, if the cards fall right. With you know, we might have a, a World Cup winning team for the first time. And actually, it's, it's looking like got a team that might not even make it out of the groups. Uh, so that, that <laughs> grand ambition, <laughs> do, you know, do, you know, do you see what I mean? That grand yeah. ambition to, to, to grow the game. And it's all very noble. It, they're making up for their own mistakes, but it's all very noble. That is sort of, it's a bit stillborn if you don't have the momentum from this summer of a lot of people talking about cricket, cricket making the front pages and being uh, cutting through a little bit. If you don't have that, then it, next summer is quite hard to, it's even harder to get going. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it is massively important. Even if, even if England don't win the thing, it is, it is hugely important they get out of a group to a home World Cup because they haven't, England haven't got to the semi-finals of the World Cup since 92. So, you know, it, no one really, very few people know what it really feels like here. So, it, yeah, it t- tomorrow is massive. It, it it's vast, and if they if they lose tomorrow, then they're as I said, it's a it's a it's a wing and a prayer uh, that they beat New Zealand and then results go their way. And frankly, Pakistan are on a roll in a very on a very sort of Pakistani role, <laughs> but they suddenly look like they could be contenders, even though they nearly, you know, they nearly lost to Afghanistan today, mm. very nearly, and yet we're still. Everyone's bricking it about Pakistan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, England and Pakistan are playing absolutely to type, aren't they? I mean, mm. it's, it's unbelievable, really. Given, given the way England beat them 4-0 in a series just before this World Cup, it, it is unfathomable, really. But, mm. you know, England, gonna, England are going to England, as we might say here. Mm. Um, what about best, though? Will, I mean, he's taken aim at you guys. You've obviously all got together at the pub. and um, So who's going to... <laughs> Take the first hit at him. Mm. Um, Who's yeah, gonna headbutt him? I mean, I, mm. I was I was in the room for his um, for his uh, outburst, um, which is sort of how it's come across since. Um, and it was all it, it's a bit of a funny situation. It was all said with a smile and a joke and a, and a laugh. Um, it was all said with smiles, but it it was the comments were sort of pretty wrong headed. Basically, he was he was just. It's just wrong. But what I've just told you then is that everyone here wants England to win, um, whether you're in the media or uh, in the stands. Like it, 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 they, people need it to happen. Um, well, not necessarily win the whole thing, but get through this game at least, or these two games. Um, but also, this is Johnny Bairstow, and he has used uh, perceived criticism uh, that he's he's sort of felt he's received before as excellent motivation. So I don't know whether that's what he's doing uh, this week, where he's just trying to sort of wind himself up. It was a brilliant one in um, in November when England were in Sri Lanka, and he he got injured and then didn't quite immediately get back in the Test side, and then scored a hundred when as soon as he did, batting in a new position at number three, and then sort of he, he'd sort of made up the all this criticism he was receiving. Uh, and and gave this sort of really pointed celebration towards the press box um, <laughs> when he got his hundred. Uh, and I so and I basically tomorrow, the Johnny Bairstow playing at Edgbaston for England against India is he's a hundred percent in 
binary mode, which is golden duck or double hundred. There will be nothing, <laughs> I'm absolutely certain there will be nothing in between. Um, so we'll see how he goes. Um, just finally, Will, there's been a bit of talk about flat track bullies and people kind of trying to wind back that idea that England can only win with flat wickets, but flat wickets do help. I mean, I know that the ICC is notionally in charge of the tournament, but God, you'd just love a flat one, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, all the all the talk is that it's, uh, that it's quite like it's straw-coloured and looks flat and looks great for England tomorrow. I mean, we'll see when we get to Edgerton where we actually peel them off in the morning. Um, Roy's back, which is far more important than what the pitch looks like. Uh, he and Bersko are sort of, the team is built around the good starts that they have given them for years. And basically, this World Cup, that has stopped happening uh, because, firstly, they what they each fell cheaply and then Roy got injured. And so England, the quality of England's uh, sort of top order output has been way down. Um, just on the, on the thing about the tracks, I mean, it's been... It, June... Early June was like as wet as I can remember here. I know you lads over there think that it just rains constantly here, but it, like, it was unbelievable. I, I, it was so unfortunate for groundsmen and all that. I'm sure they would have wanted these pitches to be flatter and more high scoring and all the talk about 500 before World Cup. I reckon if the groundsmen had had their way, it would have actually looked like that. Um, but they didn't. They, they had their preparations severely dented and they couldn't they couldn't sort of properly get the get pitches that they wanted ready. And in the end, it's been brilliant for the tournament because it's been a great leveller. Um, you've turned up at each game, not really sure what's going to happen. With you know, They've peeled back the covers and we've had pitches like we've never seen at Headingley or the Oval or Trent Bridge before or whatever. England, England have still scored 380-plus twice. Australia have scored 380. Like it's, that's, that's fine, but there's also been all these like bum-squeaking... 200 odd games which have been brilliant as well so actually it, it's probably a really good thing that the pitches haven't quite ended up how they imagined they would um, but that said I think everyone who's become familiar with England's ODI team over the last four years would really really like it to be a uh, really really flat pitch tomorrow <laughs> um, but we'll see Nice one. I will let you get back to your pints, Will, if you're not just holding one in your hand at the moment. Um, Will McPherson, London Evening Standard, thanks for joining us. No problem, lads. See you soon. Wait. Hashtag RCGC, Pez. Uh, here we go. We've got uh, a few questions lined up here. Uh, obviously, before we get into that, obviously, greatcricketer.club is where all the tickets are available for our live shows. I believe Sydney is sold out. Um, so no more Sydney tickets. Uh, is that confirmed, Pez? Am I right in, am I right in thinking that? Sydney yeah, sold out? I mean, check. You can check. They say on a Hello Sport podcast, do your own research. Do, you, <laughs> do your own research. Great, they say do your, do your own research. But um, it's, it's, if it's not sold out, it's very close to sold out. So have a look. Okay. Um, with Melbourne, I believe there were 40 tickets left, and that was on Friday. So there's going to be less than 40 tickets remaining for the Melbourne show. So uh, recommendation, getting quick. Brad Hodge and Steve O'Keefe are your Sydney and Melbourne guests. And then obviously we're heading to the UK. Uh, tickets are going very quickly there as well particularly Birmingham and London. The, obviously, the, first, the second London show sold out. Um, Leeds and Manchester, we need you to get behind the boys, as I understand it. Greatcricketer.club for all your tickets, etc., etc. 
Jesse writes in and says, G'day guys, big fan, love your work. A bit of an ask TJC here. In a recent Facebook post, I saw a video of Dave Warner being shown to be using headphones while he trains, and more astonishingly, while he bats. Is this an alpha move, or is it fucking rare? Hypothetically, if blokes in the lower grades started doing this, do you think it would give incentive for higher graders or high-grade bowlers to change nets and bowl bumpers at them to assert their dominance? Or would it perhaps encourage the weaker in the closet rare units to maybe do the same? Could this ever happen pre-Trump? What is fucking happening to cricket? Good question, Jesse. I'm always thinking that. Jesse has yeah, picked up on the like increasing confluence of alphadom and rare unit. Yes. Um, that's even a term. Well, it's not. That's happening in cricket. It's probably a broader, like, sort of a, a broader function of the Trump era that we live in. Mm-hmm. It, it's you know it's really difficult to know what's alpha and what's rare these days. Like back in the late nineties, early two thousands, really simple equations uh, on this kind of stuff. But yeah, and with Warner, you're kind of tempted to say, well, everything's an alpha move. But you could similarly say everything's a fucking rare move too. Mm. Like there was a moment in the game today against New Zealand where. Santner, uh, in one of the rare swipes for, for uh, a, like a big shot that New Zealand played, actually went for six uh, off Nathan Lyon. And it went to the stands and uh, Warner went to fetch it. And it was kind of only sort of one or two rows back. And as they couldn't actually find the ball, it was on the ground somewhere. And I think he was about five metres to the left of it. And while that was happening, the camera was trained on him and people were talking to him, being nice to him. And uh, he actually arranged to take some chips uh, from some crisps, as I would say, in the UK, nice. from a, a Kiwi supporter who was really right. happy with it as well. Yeah, and um, he was just chatting with everyone. I thought mm, eating crisps, you know, while he's like playing cricket, is obviously part of a PR move. Yeah, uh, obviously directed by Roxy Jusenko. But was that, was that alpha? Mm. or Was that rare? Hard to say. So I, I'm, I don't actually know the answer in terms of wearing headphones. I do know. I tried to do that once training, not at Did training, you? just by myself, wearing earphones while I was bowling. And I, I felt like all of the um, audio cues that you get from bowling, even like your feet hitting the ground and stuff, help you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So bowling hips are full tosses, but maybe I'm just shit. Well, I mean, hearing is actually significantly important for balance. Um, yeah. So there's that as well. But um, I, I remember in the UK um, hearing about a guy who was wiki-keeping in the second 11, and he was wiki-keeping with an iPod playing. And... Um, yeah, the captain of the team went absolutely ballistic at him. So, but I mean, that is weird. We're keeping with a fucking just an iPod playing. I, don't, mate, he, I mean, maybe this is the this is the kind of lateral thinking we need to keep people involved in cricket. Maybe because Lord knows that like one of the things that drove me out of the game was just being sick of the conversations <laughs> because I'd heard them. You know, like I mean, cricket is one fucking record anyway. You know, yeah. you press you press play. Hmm. At the start of the day, and you hear the same shit or some version of it. Mm. So maybe they need to find what you know. If you could tell me that I could get through, say, you know, a couple of Joe Rogan podcasts, for example, <laughs> maybe not Joe Rogan. There's a really good Sammy Shah podcast actually about free speech. Oh yeah, uh, done by the ABC. But um, you know, if, if I could just put on that episode, those episodes mm. during the middle overs of a one dayer, yep, I, I'd be much more interested in playing cricket. 
That's true. Maybe this is the influence of the NBA. You know how you see like them warming up and they're all wearing Beats by Dre. I mean, what's the influence? Like how much a how much a Beats going to take over world sport that like people are just playing or they're just all Bluetoothed up through mm-hmm. Beats by Dre and they're all communicating to each other. You know, feel imagine free to reach out Beats. You're you're the wiki, you're the <laughs> feel free to reach out exactly. You know, if you if you're the wiki keeper and you want to talk to you know mid off, but you can do it by Bluetooth. I mean, this could be we could be revolutionising the game. That that would keep people in cricket because you could sledge your teammates from afar while whispering into an earpiece. Uh, yep, I've done it. I've said the most ridiculous thing possible. Uh, Ned writes in. He says, I recently became an uncle. Congratulations, Ned. And there's no doubt I'll try to live my cricketing career vicariously through her. As a 21-year-old with the knees and ankles of an 83-year-old, little autumn is my only hope. I found myself rubbing her temples and whispering the names of Elise Perry, Meg Lanning, and Belinda Clark, attempting to aspire and brainwash her into a life of Saturday afternoon misery. Unfortunately, an auntie on the other side of the family, who is English, happened to overhear what I said. Subsequently, she told me to wait a minute, then running outside to the shed and return with a sheet of coarse 80-grit sandpaper. She then put my niece's hands to it and said, good girl, learning to cheat early. My question is, where do I hide the body? Warm regards, Ned. (laughs) Good escalation. I've learned a bit about sandpaper. Like a lot of people just adding those nice little elements of detail, 80 grit sandpaper. Yes. Uh, over the time. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't really have much to add to that one. He goes, I think it's a, it's a fair response to what his grandmother's done. Uh, yes. Yeah. He wants his, his um, niece to be good at cricket. Yep. She comes back and says, she, you, you'll learn to cheat. Yep. And he says, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a whole lot. We can add to that. <clears throat> okay. uh, George Atkin, can I just read this one here, guys? Of course, mate. Uh, dear TGC, while I'm conscious that I've asked you a fairly shit question before from one of your Australian live shows, guess which qu- shit question was mine? Fuck me, I bet you copped a lot of them. They're all in parentheses. I do feel like I'm encountering a phenomenon that many culturally bereft Australian millennials are coming to terms with at the moment. While I've never graced the wastelands of a grade cricket oval, sorry, my son's just knocking at the door now. At least he's not crying. I do have an innate and totally unjustified love for the game that fills the joyless, lonely time that most people refer to as summer. As a result, I've found myself asking my girlfriends to come home early on a Friday evening out with friends. She believes it to be an extremely mature move to moderate our disposable income expenditure and hopefully overcome the ironclad grasp of the baby boomers on their negatively geared investment properties. Well said. However, I do not have the heart to tell her that the real reason is that I could not possibly miss the Sri Lanka versus South Africa derby, two countries I have absolutely no connection to at this crucial point in this tournament when every single match is basically as important as the Ashes themselves. Will Malinga's sloppy rig get them through to the semis? Will Faf's alpha aura ignite an inspired South African resurgence in this tournament? Or will I come to my senses and head to bed at 1am on a Friday night when Winvis is predicting a 99% likelihood of a South African win? Of course not. Anyway, I guess my question is in reference to the previous podcast. Here goes, if you're unable to bench, what are your suggested alternatives to maintaining two bottles of wine a night and a tidy rig? And, to a lesser extent, with Dave chiming in on every 13th episode, even without having watched an over of cricket, how are you guys working out royalties slash remuneration? Cheers, George. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, George. It's good. It's good. To answer your question, uh, re-bench and uh, bottles of wine, it's obviously the answer is herbal teas and cocaine. I don't know how many times I need to say that. And if uh, any cocaine dealers want to reach out, no. Um, 
I, I don't drink two bottles of wine every night. That was just a, a phase I was going through at the beginning of the World Cup when I had to get through some of those tough games and just watch that fielding. And then uh, I thought the best way to communicate that was to then drink heavily and then get into a social media platform where nothing good can happen and you can only possibly ruin your career, i.e. Twitter. Um, great question in terms of like how do you justify I mean, this is a secret shame of many people during this World Cup that they, they don't want to admit watching games that mean nothing to them. You know, the, the derby of Sri Lanka and South Africa, as George rightly said, means nothing, but it meant everything at the time. Just goes to show that, um, you know, that was just a, that was just a warm-up game for South Africa. My goodness me, Sri Lanka are terrible. Um, uh, I did not have the heart to tell her that the real reason, <laughs> the heart, like she was being let down. I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't have an in me, didn't have the heart. Uh, well, if you've played enough cricket, George, you will have no heart at all. Um I mean, he knows the answer. He knows the answer to this. Um, you need to leave your girlfriend uh, for the World Cup. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that I can possibly see as an outcome here. Um, in terms of royalties, uh, well, you know, Sam, Dave and I have got into uh, business together and we thought, How, what's, the, what's the way we can make the most money? And we thought, well, first of all, books. We'll... Uh- and then we thought, well, after that, we'll get into podcasting. So, um, yeah, no, things are going well. <laughs> Not really address the question. Let's just leave it. Um, let's just leave it. Okay. Well, uh, as Pez said earlier, <laughs> we, are, <laughs> we, are, we are recording again tonight after the biggest game of the World Cup. So we'll be back in your ears tomorrow morning, Monday morning, Sunday evening, UK time. Monday morning, Australia Big time. Big guest tonight. Big guest, George Bailey's on the show. Can't wait. Dave will be with us as well to split the royalties three ways. Okay, see you then. <laughs>